You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you for tuning in to Episode 9 of The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings, the 55th Super Bowl is this weekend 55 in a game this big deserves a big prize not just some trophy and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of super bowl 55 has up to 55 million dollars in total prizes up for grabs with their super bowl prediction pool all you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free super bowl prediction challenge once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. That's up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, and answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now. And use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. I got my predictions in there. I, I would say don't even bother because you don't have a chance, but... Who knows? Like, these things could go any other way, so make sure you download the DraftKings app, use promo code THPN, and uh, hopefully we can all make a little bit more money this Super Bowl Sunday. My name is Connor Halley. I am the host of the Other Connor Podcast. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, C-O-N-N-O-R-H-A-L-L-E-Y. I love the feedback. I love any comments, questions, critiques, anything you got, you can give me a shout or a follow on Twitter. And uh, once again... We're going to have some real fun here on the Other Connor podcast. Lots of guests coming up on this show. We're going to be joined by Mark Spector. He is the senior columnist at Sportsnet.ca. He's also on Twitter at SportsnetSpec. He's covered the Oilers for about 30 years now. So we're going to get him on the show to talk about the things he's seen as a beat reporter for the Edmonton Oilers, how he got into it. And, of course, we'll talk about the 2021 edition of the team we're also going to talk to Dean Brown. He is the voice of the Ottawa Senators for TSN 1200. Of course, this year a little bit different for Dean, not traveling with the team, doing the home games in the arena, but the road games from their studio. So we'll get Dean on, talk about the Ottawa Senators. And of course, it was not pretty for them on Sunday night as they fell to the Edmonton Oilers 8-5, to but they've got some exciting young players there, some pieces to build on, and they are in the rebuild. So that's a team to watch out for going forward. This year, though, it might be a little bit tough. And we're going to talk a little daily fantasy sports as well. We've got Jeffrey Ulrich lined up. You can give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. He's also at DraftKings and DraftKings Nation. And, uh, I mean, if you had Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl Sunday night, you had to take the win. I mean, those guys were absolutely outstanding. This whole weekend, they were really good. The two players combining for 16 points over the weekend, taking on those teams from Ontario. You go back to Saturday night, huge 4-3 win over the Maple Leafs. Connor McDavid, two goals and one assist, including the overtime winner. Leon Dreisaitl had a couple helpers. He set up that game-winning goal. I mean, there's no deadlier duo when it comes to three-on-three three in the NHL than Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. They've been doing it the past three years, 
And it's almost expected at this point. Like, you get into that overtime period, those two are going to find a way to get the win. They did that on Saturday night. Miko Koskinen was between the pipes. He had a strong game, making 26 saves on 29 shots. He gave up one goal on the power play. Fast forward to Sunday night. An exciting game. Now, if you're a traditionalist and you prefer a good defensive battle, you might not have liked it. But Stuart Skinner, the local product, made his NHL debut. He was a third-round pick by the team. Back in 2017, he made 33 saves on 38 shots. A couple power play goals mixed in there. Overall, maybe not the best performance by him, but you get the win. Your offense was there to score eight goals, and good for him. Congratulations to Stuart Skinner for getting that first-ever NHL win. Leon Dreisaitl, he was on fire Sunday night. He had six assists in the victory. Funny stat, no shots. He was just distributing on Sunday night, and Connor McDavid had a goal and four helpers, he was also a minus one. So when people talk about plus minus being overrated, there's your prime example. Of course, Connor McDavid doing a lot of damage on that power play for sure. And the Edmonton Oilers going to an 8-5 victory Sunday night. The two teams meeting once again on Tuesday. And with that, we are going to bring in the voice of the Ottawa Senators on TSN 1200 out in Ottawa, Dean Brown. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at PXP Ottawa. I believe that stands for play-by-play Ottawa. Dean, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks. Good to hear. And, uh, of course, the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Ottawa Senators once again Tuesday evening. The two teams meeting Sunday night with the Oilers coming away with the victory. And we're going to get to that shortly. But I want to ask you, what's uh, the 2021 season been like as the team's broadcaster with all that's going on with COVID? Well, it's, I think it's like anybody else in almost any other business. It's uh, You have to be very versatile and you have to be able to adapt because... Uh, Nothing is uh, is as it's been, and uh, nothing is, you know, whatever normal is for us. So uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's been different. It's been an experience, but uh, didn't expect that it wouldn't be so. Uh, well, let's get to the team this season. And a tough loss for the Sens last night, falling eight to five. I've seen this in Edmonton with the team going through the rebuilding process for a little while. How's the fan base been? Have they accepted that it might be a tough year, and you're kind of just looking for bright spots and the occasional moral victory? Well, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to say that the fan base. You know, there's one particular point of view that any fan base in any city is made up of a whole bunch of different types of fans. Some are more engaged than others, and uh, you know, some are engaged in different ways, and some find importance in things that others don't. So, you know, I would never want to say that uh, you know one voice speaks for all the fans. But if you go by social media and the talk shows and, and things like that, there's a great deal of optimism before the season that. Uh, you know the the tear down part of the rebuild was over, and it's uh, start uh, time to start building it up. But right now, in the midst of this eight game winless streak, there's lots of frustrations, believe me. And uh, you know there's uh, you know a fan base. I think by and large, when their team is winless and eight, is going to be a little bit upset. And so, you know, everything now is under the microscope. Every every personnel decision, every who plays with who on defense decision, every everything is being debated right now. Uh, and I think that's uh, a very normal thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't uh, I can't remember a time when uh, that wasn't the case uh, in, in the kind of situation they're in. So you just have to ride it out, and you know they'll keep playing. It. Eventually they'll win, and then they'll win some more, and eventually they'll be a good team again. Just don't know what that day is going to be, but that's you know that's where they're going. A lot of talk going into this game. I, I work on our pregame show here out in Edmonton, and their talk was, you know, if if you give this team a chance to stay in the game, they can do some damage. Like work ethic is not a problem for this. This team is that an accurate statement yeah it is you know last year you know when dj smith came in as the head coach uh, you know he's not a dumb guy he realized what he had as far as players go a lot of you know really young players and 
uh, not a huge skill level on the team yet, you know, because, uh, again, you know, you're really in, in the midst of a rebuild. And so, you know, you understand what you have. So, you know, his perspective was, uh, you know, if, if these young players are going to be the core of this team uh, in a couple of years and what you build on, then the first thing you have to build is, you know, what what is the identity of this team? What is, you know, what, what is Ottawa Senators hockey? And, and his belief was that if you can get the best young players, the guys who are going to be the core of this team, to have a work ethic uh, that basically runs through the entire team and that becomes the team's identity and, and later on you add more skill to it and more experience to it and you know all those other things but the the team's identity has to be uh, about work because uh, you know at least right now um, they're they're not they're not experienced enough or nearly skilled enough yet uh, to be able to sleepwalk through games and still win them so it, it, it is it is true this team is a very hard working team and uh, some nights, the the most you can say, or the least you can say, depending on how you're looking at, it, is that they don't give up. Uh, they don't mail in games, um, and there's always an effort level, and there's always a compete level. And uh, you know, you can they'll be losing five to one, and in the third period of the game, they're still going to try and punch you in the mouth. You know, they they fight. It's a group of fighters. They uh, you know, and I don't mean literally, but you know what I mean. Like, well, literally too, but um, they don't give up, and uh, that is part of what they are right now. Yeah, there was certainly no quit in that team last night. Uh, I want to ask you about Thomas Shabbat. Obviously, he didn't get into the game on a Sunday evening, but hopefully that he'll be back there for Tuesday. How much does he bring to this team, not only defensively, but as an offensive weapon as well? No, he's everything on the back end. You know, uh, this team is a completely different team when he's not there. Uh, you know, again, they're not at the stage of their development where they're, they have anybody who can fill his shoes or even a portion of his shoes when he's not there. They just don't have that organizational depth right now. You know, they, they have those, they have those pieces, um, you know, that are on the way. And if you look, you know, down the road at what this defense is going to be, you know, in a couple of years, um, there'll be a lot more to surround him with. But, you know, in many cases, you know, I think it's fair to say that right now in the organization, Thomas Shabbat is kind of surrounded with, um, you know, a lot of guys who might be in the future look back upon as transitional players that, you know, weren't guys that, uh, you know, the franchise looked that were going to be in the franchise for a real long time uh, because of, you know, what they've got coming. And, you know, they've got Eric Brandstrom coming. He's, uh, he's the young defenseman that they got in the Mark Stone trade uh, with Vegas. And, uh, and he, you know, the year that he came, the year that he was involved in that trade, he was considered not not by people in Ottawa, but by the experts who do those experting things, that he was the best defenseman not in the NHL. And Jake Sanderson, who people know from the World Juniors, uh, is an Ottawa first-round pick, and he's at the University of North Dakota. And Lassie Thompson, their first pick from two years ago, uh, he's just come over to North America. And Jacob Bernard-Docker, who people from last year will remember from the World Juniors and Team Canada. Um, you know, so they have, you know, and, and that should be the case. People in Edmonton certainly know this. You know, Ottawa has been bad for long enough that they've had high draft picks, and uh, they've picked some very good players that just aren't ready yet to be in the NHL today, uh, but will be at some point in the next couple of years. And that will that will really help surround uh, Thomas Shabbat. As far as uh, skill, puck skills, offensive skills, and defensive skills, Ottawa doesn't have a uh, another defenseman anywhere close to the orbit that uh, Thomas Shabbat is in. When you talk about kind of building that, that Senators hockey and the culture, DJ Smith uh, might look towards Tim Stitzla, Thomas Shabbat, and, and Brady Kachuk. I mean, are those the building blocks right there? Is there anyone else that you lump into that category? 
Well, you know, I, I think when you when you look at this team, those are the two highest profile guys. You know, Kachuk and Shabbat. But you know, Josh Norris uh, is another guy they got through trade that came from the in the Eric Carlson trade, and he's playing with Brady Kachuk right now. Um, but you know, what? he's what twenty one years old. He's only twenty one years old, um, and but he's another guy that is uh, that is going to be a part of the future of this team. And Drake Batherson. And, uh, you know, Matt Murray, the goaltender, has not been very good of late, but uh, he's part of the building blocks that they look at down the road for this team. And like I said, you know, some of the younger guys who aren't here yet are guys who are going to be part of this core. And, and guys like Tim Stutzla, obviously, and, uh, and Nick Paul. And, and you know, when, when we're talking about these guys, you know, all, all the guys we've talked about, with the exception of Matt Murray, he's a, an age-old 26-year-old, all the guys we've just talked about are... Uh, 22 or under, and you know those are the those are the guys that are going to make up the core of this team uh, going forward. I want to ask you about Matt Murray. Of course, he got the big contract from the team in the off season. I've seen a lot of people be pretty critical of his play so far. Would you put that on him, or is that just kind of a product of the team and the inexperience in front of him? I think it's probably both. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't been very good. He, you know, technically is trying to uh, change himself and he's going through that while he's trying to play and win games and he's moved to a new team and the team he's moved to uh, is not very good defensively. So he sees more shots and more grade A chances uh, than he would have in Pittsburgh. So I think it's a function of both things. I don't think that he has been uh, very good and he has said that. And uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, the team isn't very good in front of him and uh, he faces, uh, you know, a lot more. Not so much shots, not the volume of shots, but he faces far more grade-A chances uh, because this team defensively is just nowhere close to being uh, at the top of the league or in the top half of the league as far as uh, defensive structure goes yet. So that always impacts your goals against. And I think most people know that goals against isn't totally a function of goaltending. And in this case, uh, I think that's true. He is, uh, he's not been great, but nor has uh, much of anything in front of him in the last eight games. I know it's still quite early here in the 2021 NHL season, but Connor McDavid was asked about this last week, saying that in the second game of these series, he's kind of been able to pick up on tendencies with the opposing team just a little bit more. Have you noticed any trends for the Ottawa Senators in the second half of these back-to-back games? Well, uh, well, the last couple of games, uh, you know, it's just different guys that score against them. That's really the only been the only trend so far. Uh, but I, I know, I know what you mean. There's no, there's no question. Um, that there's uh, in these multiple games, there's familiarity that builds up both emotionally on the ice, but also coaching staffs. You know, coaching staffs are very good, and video coaches are very good. And uh, you see a lot of times what I've seen, just not just Ottawa games, but other games that I watch. When you get to the second and third games, and they're playing each other back to back to back, uh, you know, especially on specialty teams, for example, the penalty kill. All of a sudden, you know, whatever entry a team is trying to use all of a sudden that gets stopped up well that's because coaches see it they video they learn from it and they learn how to shut it down so you know your uh, your game and your special teams uh, have to be able to evolve quickly because no matter what team you are there are very good coaches in the other room with video and with a lot of knowledge and they're going to try and stop or make difficult the things that you want to do and the things that you've been successful at before. So I think a team that is, uh, you know, exactly the same week to week in this division is going to find it very difficult to be consistently good week to week in this division uh, because people are going to be planning for you. People are going to be, people are going to be mapping out how to, how to play against you. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Connor sees that all the time because, you know, in, in playing for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, it's, it's no secret that Everybody plans for two things, you know. They plan for McDavid and they plan for Dreisaitl. And sometimes even when you're planning for them, you can't do anything to stop them. But 
they are the focus virtually every game for every team that plays against Edmonton. And Dean, just one final question for you. It has nothing to do really with the on-ice play or anything, but the Senators changing up the uniforms this year, kind of going with that retro look. How do you like it for the team? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not really one of those guys that cares about the uniforms. If I can see the numbers really easily as a play by play guy, I appreciate that. And that's why I really didn't appreciate the leaf jerseys in Edmonton on the weekend. Those are terrible for a guy trying to figure out who's wearing what number. Um, but you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's more of a fan thing. And it's good for the fans. I'm glad that the league and the teams do that for the fans because they're the ones I think that really like it, and and they're the ones that collect the jerseys. and And their say and and how much they like it and 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 love the changes is the most important thing. And I and I can tell you in Ottawa, um, the thirds this year have gone over very well. Now, you know, going back to kind of the same kind of um, style they had in '07 is kind of a kickback to a, a time when. Uh, you know the old 2D logo was very popular, and and it is again. So it uh, it doesn't matter uh, to me in any way, shape, or form. I don't have an opinion as long as I can see the numbers. But I know the fans enjoy it, and that is the most important thing. All right, Dino. Thanks so much for hopping on the podcast here, and hopefully we can get you on down the road. Thanks very much, Connor. Excellent stuff from Dean Brown. He's the voice of the Ottawa Senators on TSN 1200. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at PXP Ottawa. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think for the Ottawa Senators fans. If you're an Oiler fan, you know exactly what they're going through. The rebuild process isn't always fun. I remember doing a lot of pre- and post-game shows on TSN 1260 in the early years of that rebuild, and let's just say the whole decade of darkness. Like, it was not fun. And for a little while, you you talk about moral victories, and they can be a positive, but after a couple of years of that, it has to start to translate. And that's what they want to see, and I, I'd like the future for the Ottawa Senators. I, I don't know about the goaltender between the pipes right now, but... When you look at some of the star power that they have, they've got some real nice pieces. So it'll be a fun team to watch throughout the rest of this year to see how they progress. And then down the next few years, I think they'll be building a franchise that makes the playoffs consistently and uh, can do some damage there. So great of Dean Brown to hop on the other Connor podcast here. Really do appreciate that. Uh, why don't we talk a little daily fantasy sports, uh, something that I've just gotten into. Of course, DraftKings, a sponsor of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you do sign up, make sure you use the promo code THPN, and uh, I don't always do too well, but that's why we bring in our next guest, Jeffrey Ulrich. You can get him on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. He writes for DraftKings and DraftKings Nation. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Thanks a lot for having me back, and uh, hopefully, you know, your, your week at DFS went well. Uh, having fun watching hockey and getting the season going. So, well, you know what? It it went okay. I mean, it started off. I tried to take some of your advice, and I just got in on a real cheap league, like it was a ten cent one doubled up my money 120 cents so i was feeling pretty good and then uh last night i got into the nhl tiers sorry saturday night i wish it was last night because i had mcdavid didn't quite go quite as well i finished 813th out of over a thousand so uh not the most successful weekend for me at DraftKings, and that's why we had to bring you back on here so i could get some advice from you fair enough man yeah i mean uh, it was a crazy night on um on Sunday with uh, McDavid and Drysaddle going nuts. I know I had Drysaddle and uh, a couple other Oilers, but I didn't have McDavid in my lineup, and I just barely min-cashed, even though Drysaddle got me like 35 points. So it was one of those kind of kind of nights where uh, everyone was on McDavid, neither had him or he didn't. So on a typical night, I mean, Oilers taking on the Senators once again Tuesday evening. So if you're listening to the podcast on Wednesday, this won't help you out. But do you know of anyone or people that might think it's a good idea to try to take both McDavid and Drysaddle and then 
go pretty cheap and hope for kind of a, a surprise pick with someone else, or is that kind of a forbidden move here? It's, I mean, it's definitely not. It's on a slate-by-slate basis, right? I mean, um, you know, the Oilers obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're playing the Senators again. It's, it's, gonna, it's a juicy matchup. I mean, there's just there's not even uh, another way we can put it. I mean, the, the Senators are they're terrible. I mean, they're, they're, they'd actually be the worst team in hockey, right? And, and defensively, I mean, you just saw even just like uh, someone who, who isn't that you know, akin to hockey, could see. I mean, the Oilers are just doing whatever they wanted on the power play. So, you know McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be out there on the power play all the time. Um, it's probably going to lead to some pretty good correlations. I know we talked about this on the last pod, but you generally want to play players playing on the same line, but you can make exceptions for players who play a lot on the power play together, and especially when they're going up against a weak penalty kill, which others are doing. So, I would say on the bigger slate, probably just targeting one of them and maybe looking for some better values. You know, there, there's some good matchups on the slate. Um, you, you know, Calgary and Winnipeg has some shootout potential, Vancouver, Montreal. Um, but at the same time, like, we don't have that many other good games. So um, I think for a GPP build, it, it would be unique. I think most people probably still won't go Dreisaitl and McDavid together. So I think if, you, if I was making, again, you know, if I, I was making a, a large field GPP lineup and I wanted to really stack up the Oilers, Going with McDavid and Drysdale is going to give you a unique build. It's probably not something I would do for cash games. Probably just take McDavid and, and look for value elsewhere. Going into Tuesday night, is there any other Oilers you think that might be a bit of a value there that's not named Leon Drysdale or Connor McDavid? Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to target Kyler Yamamoto as much as possible. Um, I know he didn't like quite get in on the scoring frenzy as much as some of the other dudes, but um, uh, on, on Sunday I'm, I'm referring to, but. He, he still he could have. I mean, he, he could have easily had like a three or four point night too. And and realistically, Yamamoto is just he's cheap. You compare him to Drysaddle McDavid. Uh, this is a guy who's averaged almost a point per game since he's come in the NHL. He's out there all the time with Drysaddle. If he's not out there with him, he's he's out there on the power play. You know, alongside McDavid too. Really skilled player. I'm, I'm really starting to appreciate him too, just as how skilled he is. Uh, I really like him as a player. So I think for DraftKings purposes, if you can get him continue to get him like under 5,500. Um, that's a really good dealer deal for Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, and, and I think Tyson Berry is starting to fall in that conversation too. He looks way more comfortable on the power play. Uh, he's cheap on defense. And again, you get as much exposure to Oilers power play right now as possible, especially in this game against Ottawa. But I think just in general, they're starting to pick up. They're the best unit in the league. If Barry's under 5K in price, he's a really good uh, really good value, too. Yeah, that power play is starting to heat up. And with Kyler Yamamoto, I mean, great for daily fantasy sports, but also just a great guy to have in your lineup because that motor doesn't stop and uh, he doesn't play like his size. He's a great player to watch. Uh, How about elsewhere around the NHL for this week? Any uh, players you're looking out for? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Calgary's offense is starting to heat up a little bit, so I, I'd probably watch their first line and, and maybe even their second line, their top six. They, they really have sort of bursts of, of um, what you call productivity, and, and they're playing the Jets. Um, that, that's just a spot I would probably watch. Uh, you can kind of get some good value on guys like uh, Goudreau as well. Um, you have Carolina going on, taking on uh, the Blackhawks as well. Um, I, I think that's going to be a, like a, a game that I'd want to target. It, it's on starting Tuesday there, but um, you know Carolina's offense uh, with Sebastian Aho. I know he's, he's been a little bit underpriced. He hasn't started that well, but Aho is a guy who we know can uh, can get it going quickly too. He's got two games this week against Chicago. Um, if his price doesn't come up, like if he's under seven K on DraftKings, that is a spot I would I would really recommend taking advantage of because realistically. 
you're just getting him for cheaper than he should be. Uh, he's had a bit of a slow start. Uh, probably going to have a couple good matchups coming up here. Chicago's got some good goaltending, but overall, they're, they're a poor defensive team. They have a ton of shots. It's a really good matchup to get perhaps like a, a cheap price on Sebastian Ajo. How about anyone you're thinking that you might just want to be staying away from this week? Yeah, um, the, so the Dallas Stars and the Blue Jackets are playing. You know, the, the Stars have looked pretty good in, in, their, in their first couple games, but realistically, I, I feel like this is still a team like, you know, maybe outside of Miro Heskinen, uh, it, it's just not really one that, that I want to touch for, for daily fantasy. So um, whenever they're kind of playing someone, quite frankly, I, I just try to stay away from that game. Um, you know, Columbus has also been really slow defensively or offensively to start the year. They have some nice cheap pieces like Alex Teixeira, but um, I, I think, you know, with them playing Dallas, um, I, I would stay away. The other team I, I'm really sour on right now is Nashville. Um, you know, you, you used to be able to kind of roster Roman Josie and, in daily fantasy uh, for, for NHL, just kind of, an, and he was so consistent, but um, their power play and just offense has been so brutal to start the year. It's starting to affect Josie's production as well. Even even at like 6K or under, um, it's kind of a little bit suspect. So I think Nashville is a team I'll, I'll just wait on and, and, and see if we can get some uh, offensive momentum going before I start uh, rostering Roman Josie again. Jeffrey, uh, just one more here for you. I know the Super Bowl Absolutely. coming up this weekend. Uh, anything intriguing about this game when it comes to daily fantasy? Yeah, um, you know, you know, for me, it's. I, I think the the Chiefs are probably being a little discounted in the spread here. Um, you know, it's it's probably going to be a fairly high scoring game. You know, if you're playing showdown contests on DraftKings, um, you know, if you're playing in the big, uh, you know, the the five, I think it's a five point five million dollar guaranteed, or it's around a five million dollar guaranteed showdown, ten dollar buy in. Always make sure you're you're thinking in unique plays, and uh, I think a guy like Daryl Williams. Um, uh, pops out to me. Uh, you, you know, you want to look at those peripheral pieces on the um, on the Kansas City Chiefs. Williams uh, being used a little bit more in the past game than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And uh, in similar vein, I mean, you're, you're going to roster guys like Tyreek Hill. You're going to roster Patrick Mahomes. But a guy like Nicole Hardman could, could really break out here, too. Um, you know, the, the Bucks defense, the secondary, got absolutely smoked by Tyreek Hill in the first time they played. Um, you know, they're going to be probably paying as much attention to him as possible. It's just going to open up downfield shots for a guy like Hardman. So, uh, Miko Hardman's kind of my long shot for a Super Bowl MVP bet. Uh, I do like the Chiefs in that game, but and like I said, if I like them, I, I like guys like Williams and, and Hardman perhaps to, uh, to have bigger games than expected. Jeffrey, I got in on the free $55 million prediction challenge. A reminder, if you do sign up to get in on that, use the promo code THPN. And uh, one of the questions I saw there, what will the last play be of the fourth quarter, run or kneel? I won't ask too many questions from you, but do you have a prediction on that one? I am going to say it's going to be a a kneel, a Patrick Mullins kneel down. <laughs> so you've got the Patriots be, taking this too one. Too far ahead. I think they're going to be too far ahead. I think it'll end with uh, here. I'll even go out further than that. It'll end with a Tom Brady interception, and, and Patrick Mullins comes on and, and kneels down. Well, we we did see Tom throw a few bad interceptions in that Packers game, but. Uh, that's that's not a bad prediction, and uh, I'm going to just make my change there and take the kneel to end the game. Uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast here. Appreciate it as always, and hopefully we can get you on again next week. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Good stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. You can get his work at DraftKings Nation, and we like to have Jeffrey on here talk a little fantasy sports. It's a growing industry, and it's a lot of fun. Like I've said before on this podcast, I only got into DraftKings when they became a sponsor, and it's a lot of fun. I'll just occasionally throw down a 10 cent or 25 cent bet, just something to watch throughout the night. You know, if you lose it, no big deal, fun to win. 
But of course, if you are a player and you are good at these fantasy sports, you can up the ante quite a bit. So uh big thank you to Jeffrey Ulrich hopping on the Other Connor podcast here tonight. We're going to wrap up the show with an interview with Mark Spector. He's covered the Edmonton Oilers since the 90s. He's seen the good, he's seen the bad, and uh, he does a great job writing for the team at sportsnet.ca. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at sportsnetspec. Mark, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? That's pretty good. Connor having some uh, fun with an up-and-down order team this year and uh, kind of a different season, isn't it, with no fans in the stands? Yeah, definitely unique. And when it comes to the Oilers, you just got to ride that wave. And you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, when did you first start covering the Oilers? Oh, boy. Well, when I was a kid working for the University of Alberta newspaper called The Gateway, the big perk, I mean, you didn't make any money. You worked about 60 hours a week or better. But the big perk was Bill Tuelli, the old PR guy for the Oilers, uh, furnished the sports editor at the Gateway and the sports director at CJSR, which is a U of A radio station, with a press pass. So I worked at the Gateway in like 85, 86. And, you know, I worked, like I say, I worked very hard as a young guy trying to make my way at a college newspaper. But at night, you'd get to go watch the mid-'80s Oilers in the press box, which uh, made it all worth it, man. (laughs) Oh, no doubt. I mean, uh, just going to watch some of those teams. So were you a fan of the Oilers growing up? Like, was covering the oil the dream from the start? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Edmonton, so of course I was a fan of all the teams here. You know, my very first hockey game was a WHA Oilers game in the old gardens with my dad. He took me on my birthday to uh, get this. Uh, my birthday is November 22nd, so the Eskimos played like in Clark Stadium. They played Regina and Saskatchewan in a, you know, the Western semifinal or something. And then we went over to see the Minnesota Fighting Saints play the Oilers that night. <laughs> that was my birthday day. <laughs> You know, so that was a dream for a kid. And, yeah, I'm a sports fan, grew up in Edmonton, cheered for all the teams. And, of course, as you become a reporter, you you know, you stop cheering and you start getting a little more objective, that's all. <laughs> Have you ever cheered in the press box going back to your early days? No. <laughs> no, no, I was always very wary of that as a, you know, they always say you can cheer for your story. <laughs> so if I write a story on a guy, it's okay to kind of, quietly fist pump under the desk if he's getting a hat trick <laughs> but no we don't cheer for teams i i pride myself on uh, my ability to you know listen if your team's winning all the time you don't mind if they lose a couple because it gets more interesting if you're covering the Oilers here they missed the playoffs 14 out of 15 years i'm not going to lie to you life's more interesting if they make the playoffs you know, I'm not going to the rink cheering for him every night, but big picture, covering the same old, same old gets pretty dull. So I would not complain if the Edmonton Oilers had a better team and made the playoffs and took a little run here because it's been so long since they've done it. Spec, just one final question for you regarding your career. In all the players you've covered and talked to throughout the last uh, couple decades covering the team, did you have a favorite quote? Oh, a favorite quote. Oh, my God. Damon <laughs> Solani was a guy that I love to talk to. Uh, Brett Hull would say whatever the heck crossed his mind and never take it back, even when he told the fans to to bleep themselves once. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Dougie Waite, Bill Guerin were two of the better quotes on the Oilers. Even, I mean, Wayne Gretzky, it was back at a time when it was only four or five reporters sitting around with a notebook around them and maybe no cameras and certainly no recorders. So after you talked to Wayne, on the record, you'd sit and talk about the league off the record for another 10 minutes. So those were fun times. 
so yeah, I've had a lot of different guys that I've liked over a lot of different years. That's for sure. Maddie Nordstrom was a real fun guy down in LA to talk to. So many guys over many years for sure. I just saw your article at Sportsnet.ca. Uh, you got a chance to talk with Wayne today and talking about just the impressive play of Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid. Uh, I mean, from his perspective, obviously the greatest player to walk on this earth. What does he think about these two players? Well, he's you know pretty impressed. Obviously, I, he talked about about Leon today, and he said, you know, it's amazing that uh, what a great passer he's become, but he's also a, a such a pure scorer. Like he compared to the Brett Hall, he said, when I used to get Brett Hall the puck in the in the slot, it was in the net, and he said that's how Leon is. He knows how to put it away, and you know he compared himself to Connor a little bit. He said, me and Connor, we had to work for our goals. It doesn't go in as easy for us now. You know, Wayne scored 77 goals one year um, or, or more. But, you know, I think he looks at these two players who are playing against better goalies with better systems and, and tighter coaching and all of that, and he just sees two great, great players who are, I'm not sure if they're ever going to be Wayne Gretzky's, but they're certainly in the conversation at this point, the way they're playing. That piece up at sportsnet.ca. Uh, let's get to the current uh, group of the team. And uh, what did you think of their play over the weekend? Of course, they get the win against the Toronto Maple Leafs Saturday night in overtime. And then last night, a real fun offensive uh, affair against the Sens. Yeah, you know, the thing about any good team is you don't get your best effort every night. Like, that's the first thing. Every team should win when they get their best effort. You know, when you play great, you better win. But there's all these other games in a season when you don't have everything. Last night they go in, you know, or, or whatever what night was it, Sunday night, they go in against Ottawa. They're playing a kid who's never played in the NHL in goal. And it's you got to go out and, and score five or six for sure because, you know, your goalie's probably letting in five. And they did. They got a 5-1 lead. They won 8-5 to five in the end. The Skinner made some nice saves when he had to, let in a couple of kind of cheesy ones. But... You know, they won the game despite the, uh, the the issues that they had. They played Toronto the night before, or two nights before, or a night before, I guess. And, you know, that was a tough, hard-fought game, and they really sucked it up, and they stayed with Toronto all the way, and they went in overtime. It was a different game, but the same two points. So I think the Oilers are pulling it together because they're, you know, like I say, any team can win when Connor and Dreisaitl combine for, what did they have the other night, 11 points? You're going to win that game every time. I want to see you win games when things go a little bit sour in different areas, and they're starting to find a way how to do that. 16 points in the last two games for those two. They're absolutely lighting it up. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Stuart Skinner between the pipes there, obviously his first ever NHL start, and I believe it was a full calendar year since the last time he actually got out there in a real game. What did you make <clears> of his performance, and what do you think the future holds for Skinner? Well, it's hard to know because I'll tell you this, he doesn't appear to be ready. You know, the NHL wrist shot blew right past him last night, in my opinion, right? Brady Kachuk walks in with a good look and blows one past him. Uh, I forget who the other guy was that did the exact same thing. So he's not ready for the NHL yet, but that's fine. He's only a third-year pro, hasn't played a game in a year. You know, there's no sin with not being an NHL goalie yet. And give him some time in the A, give him a proper development. I'm not going to tell you he can't be an NHL goalie. He's got good size. He looks like he can play a little. Uh, he's just not there yet. And I applaud his game last night because he did let a couple in and he didn't let that phase him. He still made some really big saves. I'll be honest with you, I often refer to Miko Koskinen 
you know, we watch hockey games and he's the second best goalie on the ice in so many nights. Uh, that wasn't the case last night. Skinner was better than the two guys at the other end, and give him credit for that. Another young player uh, getting an increased role with the club this year is Jesse Pugliarvi after coming back from Finland. Uh, what have you made of his play and the progression so far? Yeah, he progressed early. I think we were all really pleased with you know, watching him come back and saying, okay, you know what, he's taking those big swooping turns out of his game. He's seems like he's a little bit more predictable. His line mates kind of know where he's going to be. Um, you know, he he was just playing a more conventional style of hockey. It wasn't It wasn't all east-west. It was more north-south. So that's great. So he's progressed. That's awesome. But now here he is up on the first line, and I'm not, you know what, the last four, I mean, what's he got? I think he's played six games with Connor McDavid on the first line, and I think he's got one point. So, you know, I don't care what the fancy stats say. When you're playing next to a red-hot Connor McDavid, uh, and you got one point in six games, you're not creating and you're not producing. So I'm not sure he's ready for this role. I think that this role has come a little fast for him, and I'm not sure he'll hang on to that job. Uh, the Oilers really don't have a lot of options. Zach Cashin hasn't been very good either. So, you know, good for Poyarvi. He's progressing. It doesn't have to happen right away for this kid. If it's going to take time, I'm fine with all that. But I'm not sure I'm liking what I'm seeing up on Connor McDavid's right wing right now. I'm not sure that's the place for him. Uh, you did mention Zach Cashin there playing on the third line with Kyle Turris and James Neal. Uh, Kyle Turris, I don't know, at least on our show, we've we've had some people being a little critical of his play. Do you think he keeps that third line center? Does Gaetan Haas get a look? How do you think that plays out? Well, it's a good question. You know, I don't think Gaetan Haas is a third line center in this lane at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. He's only played one season in the league, and maybe he improves. And maybe, you know, he'll challenge Turris for the job the same way Pugliarby is challenging Cassian because Cassian just hasn't been very good. And if tourism continues to be not very good, you bet that Haas will get a run at it. But you know, the big picture question, Connor, is are the Oilers good enough, a good enough team if Gaetan Haas is their third-line center? I'm not sure he is. And I'm going to say to you, if he's a better player than Kyle Turris, then that free agent signing was a complete and utter bust. He was brought in here, Turris, to be a third-line center. And if Gaetan Haas is stealing his job, uh, that means that they signed the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, that'd be a bad one for uh, Ken Holland on that signing. Uh, going back to the blue line, the guy who is starting to look a little bit better and uh, could be a great signing by Ken Holland. We'll see how it plays out. Tyson Berry, though, uh, do you think it's just a matter of getting more comfortable with the guys in the system? Yeah, he's he's really, you know, I wrote a piece about six games in, and one of the biggest issues that this team had, in my opinion, through their start was those three free agent acquisitions, right? Tourist Barry and Dominic Cahoon hadn't done a thing. And in fact, they were they were in a negative value. None of them were playing any good. And and you know what? Barry's really picked it up. He's looking more creative on the power play. He's looking more confident. He's shooting the puck, which is what you wanted from the right hand shot back there. Um, you know, he's just he's picking his game up. He looks like the guy you hoped you were getting when you signed him. Cahoon's got a couple goals here. You know, let's face it, Dominic Cahoon isn't here to check. He's not here to fight and hit. He's here to score goals on, on the wing of one of the best set-up men in hockey. So if Dominic Cahoon starts to score some goals, it's okay. You know, that's why you sign this guy. If, you know, if Tourist settles down that third line and wins his face-offs and kills some penalties, you say, okay, that's the job we signed for him to do. And uh, Tyson Berry running the power play and, and moving that puck out of his zone, uh, that's what his calling card is. So it's nice to see that he's starting to do it. 
Uh, there's been some rumbling about Ivan Bouchard potentially getting into the lineup, the 10th overall pick back in 2018. From what you've seen him in the camps and just kind of the last few years, what type of role do you think he'd be thrown into for this team and, uh, you know, in terms of minutes, special teams, things like that? Well, he's that young guy that, that you know, Dave Tippett said this, maybe today. He's a young guy that really kind of got ripped off with no uh, no training camp and no preseason. Because that's the young player that, that has to go into preseason and outplay some people and steal a job, right? And and you say, man, you know, look how well he played in those preseason games. He's, he, we're going to, you know what, he's better than this other guy. Well, there was no preseason. So we just started on merit, you know. And the Oilers started out porous defensively, which works against a rookie defenseman getting put in the lineup. Right, because you're trying to settle things down defensively. You're not putting a rookie in and saying, "Okay, kid, you know, keep it out of our net." And then he got hurt a little bit. So, uh, listen, they want to play this guy. I think he might play tomorrow night versus uh, Ottawa on the second end of uh, the the games here. They want to get him in, and they can't keep him out. He hasn't played a game for a while here. They got to get him in for sure. But people have to be patient because it's uh, it's this is the NHL. It's about winning here, not developing here. So they're going to try to develop this kid. They're going to try to get him going, but not at the expense of winning hockey games because, again, we're not the AHL, we're the NHL. Well, Mark, just a couple questions for you before, and I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. Pleasure. Has there been one player who stood out, positive or negative, as the biggest surprise to you so far? Ooh, that's a good question. Positive or negative as the biggest surprise? Well, I'll tell you what, Slater Cuckoo wasn't supposed to be that guy. But he turned out to be a very tidy signing. Uh, you know, he's just been very good. Uh, you know, it's easy to pick some negative guys because it's been a short season. And You know, I, I guess I'll twist your question a little bit. Even though I thought I knew how important Oscar Clefbaum was to this team, I learned that he was even more important than I thought. <laughs> you know, his 25 minutes, it turns out it's pretty hard to uh, replace that right now. Uh, you know, and I guess the third guy I want to say is I'd like to see Adam Larson find it again. Uh, there's, in my opinion, the kind of really the kind of defenseman the Oilers need in that guy. He plays hard, uh, like he's hard to play against. He's physical. Uh, all of those things. I love the player, but he's giving the puck away, and he's he's not taking care of his own end very well. And that's supposed to be his calling card. So. I hope he gets that back for his sake because he didn't have a good year last year and he hasn't had a great year this year. I hate to see that player, you know, continue in that direction. Yeah, for sure, for sure. A guy who's definitely got to step it up. And funny you mentioned Oscar Clefbaum. uh, Just the first couple weeks of the season, I had friends joking around that, you know, this guy's the biggest winner. Like, Oilers fans are going to realize how important he is to this team just due to the fact that he's not there and the minutes that he logs. So, uh (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, they're hoping he comes back soon. Last question for you, Speck. Saturday night, the reverse retros. What did you think? Uh, I didn't mind them. You know, uh, they're not my least, they're not my, the, the uniform I don't like one bit are those dark blues. Mm-hmm. I don't think they look like a hockey uniform. Like, you can say what you want about the color scheme of the, of the reverse retros, and you can say that they're too, the orange pants are too, long, all that stuff. If that's what you think, that's what you think. But it's a hockey sweater, Right. It's got the stripes where the stripes are supposed to go. It's got the numbers where the numbers are supposed to go. I don't think those dark blue ones don't do a thing for me. And you know what? Let me add this. I I, sure, I wouldn't mind seeing 
you know, I get what marketing's about, and I get how I believe this all started, did it not, in the EPL, where they would fire up a New Jersey every time they went to a tournament, so their fans had to buy it. And I get how they're trying to make money. I understand all that, but you know what? Like, just give me a couple of solid uniforms, right? Give me the, give me that old blue, give me the road whites, and if you need a third one, I'm quite fine with the orange uniforms they wore against Ottawa the other night or the reverse retro or whatever, but oh my goodness, there's so many uniforms out there now, I can't keep track of them. See, I'm the guy that just beats on the drum. I don't know if you've seen the Bakersfield Condors jerseys, the dark navy blue with kind of the newer orange. I think that's a really good look if they'd ever like to borrow that. That was classic Oilers darks, you know, and I'll say this about the Calgary Flames. I'm, I got my eye on the game tonight. They're where they're back to wearing basically a complete retro from the '80s, and it looks great, <laughs> you know. And the Oilers might think about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we speak, they're down two nothing to the Jets. So, uh, not bad. I'm sure Oilers fans happy to hear that. Mark, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast today. And hopefully, we can do it again down the road. Hey, anytime, Connor. Give me a call. Excellent stuff from Mark Spector. He, of course, senior columnist at Sportsnet.ca. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Sportsnet Spec. And, uh, man, the the stories he could probably tell you over a beer would be good. Uh, we didn't have enough time to get into it too much, but uh, lots to get to the next time we get Spec on the Other Connor podcast. And that's going to wrap it up for us here on the show. Of course, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Make sure you download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Also, big thanks to the people of the Hockey Podcast Network for getting this thing off the ground. Lots of great stuff coming up here in the future, but got to thank our guest today, of course, Dean Brown, the voice of the Ottawa Senators on TSN 1200, Jeffrey Ulrich from DraftKings Nation, and Mark Spector, senior columnist at Sportsnet.ca. The Edmonton Oilers in action Tuesday evening, taking on the Ottawa Senators once again, and then they are off until Saturday, Battle of Alberta. Are we going to see Cassie and Kachuk throw them again? Let's hope so. On the next episode of the Other Connor Podcast, we will definitely do a little BOA preview and uh Hopefully bring on some Oilers alum to talk about some of their favorite memories from those games. Again, thanks guys so much for giving us a listen here on the Other Connor Podcast. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. I love the feedback. Any recommendations for guests you might want to hear, let me know on Twitter. That is the best way to access me, and that's going to do it for us here on the show. Take care, everyone. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.